Well, wherever you may be and whatever you may be going through at this time in your life, I want to thank you for joining us today on Peace by Believing, and I am prayerful that today's program will be an encouragement to you and a blessing to you. My name is John Redmond, and I'm the associate pastor of First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas, and we have been doing radio programs now for a little over two years, and it's been a real blessing Uh, For me, and it's been a blessing for our church to try to take the gospel of Jesus Christ beyond the walls of our church and minister to people that we'll never have a chance to see personally or meet on this side of eternity. And so today you may be riding along the interstate in your car. You may be at home. You may be in a lot of different places, but the fact that you are listening to this program today is a real encouragement to us, and I hope we in turn can be an encouragement and a blessing to you. I want to assure you that God knows exactly where you are and that God knows exactly what you're facing, and whatever you're going through at this time in your life, you are not going through it by accident. You're going through that because God has allowed you to go through it. God is absolutely in control of everything about our lives, and whatever we may go through, there's always a reason that God allows those difficult things into our lives. And so the first thing I want to say today is to be encouraged. God is on His throne. He is in control of your life. He knows right where you are. He knows right what you're going through. And if you will respond properly by trusting in Him, and trying to live your life for Him. He is going to honor you, bless you, see you through your difficult circumstance, and on the other end of it, He's gonna do something absolutely fantastic in your life and through your life. Now, it's interesting in our church, and I just share this today because when you're on the radio uh, with uh, people you don't know for 25 minutes a week, they don't always know what's going on in your church, but I wanna share something today that might be interesting to you. Sometime back here at First Baptist in Pasadena, we decided to start a Sunday night prayer and praise service. Now, we have had Sunday night church for a long, long time, and I know a lot of churches don't have Sunday night church for different reasons, and we've just been blessed here at First Baptist to be able to continue having Sunday evening services, and God has blessed those services through the years, and people have been saved, and they've always been for us a special time to come together. But I would say several months ago, we just felt strongly that God wanted us to change the nature of our Sunday night service from a normal service that's kind of just a repeat of what we do on Sunday morning to a special prayer and praise service. And so that's what we're doing on Sunday nights at First Baptist. We gather at six o'clock and for one hour, we have a time of prayer and we have a time to praise God. As we're doing that, there's always about a 20-minute sermon. Normally, my dad now, uh, Charles Redmond, who's the senior pastor of our church, he's bringing that particular message. And he's trying in the sermon to prepare our hearts for the prayer time. And on these Sunday nights, we have prayed for physical healing. We have prayed for a fresh outpouring of the Spirit of God to be on our lives and on our church. We've prayed for people in our area to be saved and for people around the world to be saved. I remember one night we had a prayer service when a terrible hurricane was headed into Tampa, Florida. 
and the projections were that that the storm surge was going to just wipe part of that area completely out. And we prayed that night and we said, God, we're asking you to lessen that storm surge, to cause the tide to go out when they're saying it might come in. And we just prayed for the people living down in Florida. And we were so encouraged when we saw the weather reports the next morning that the storm had not been anything or anything like they thought it might be. In fact, one of the meteorologists there in Florida said, this is a miracle. And we, we don't think that was just because we prayed. We know that there were a lot of people play, praying for Tampa, Florida. But we were praying, and God always honors prayer. And so if you're ever in the Houston area, I would encourage you to visit our church. You're certainly welcome with us uh, on Sunday morning. But we would especially like to have you on Sunday night at 6 o'clock for our prayer and praise service because God is honoring the prayers of His people. Now, the sermon that we're going to be listening to today is one that my dad recently preached as we observed the Lord's Supper. We had communion on one of our prayer and praise services, and before communion, uh, my dad gave a good teaching out of the scriptures on the importance of the Lord's Supper, how we're to have the Lord's Supper. And so we're going to play you that today, uh, that pretty much in its entirety, actually. We're going to start off with his opening remarks and just go right into the end of his message. And I'll be back at the end to say something about the Lord's Supper. But I hope that you will be encouraged today as you get a, a taste, really, a, a, a slice of the service that we have on Sunday nights when we gather to pray and to praise the Lord. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. Aren't you glad to be in the house of the Lord tonight? Boy, I had the, listen, a little child shall lead them. I mean, you know, that Bible teaches that. And I saw something a moment ago that just, we need to follow his example. I saw our grandson chasing the usher down to give his offering. Now, that's the way to do it, folks, right there. So... I think we'll no longer have them like walk up and down the aisles. Just chase them down and turn in your envelope. I mean, that just blessed me. This morning, I was in the children's area, and the, after the offering in the 930 service, I went over to visit about five of the different departments in the children's area. And it was just a, it's the most wonderful thing. The classes, the teachers just doing such a great job, and just everything about it was just like magnificent. But I went in, I went to this one room and like you can look through the window before you go in, this little glass window. And I saw the teacher had them all with their heads bowed and they were praying. Well, I didn't want to go in and interrupt the prayer. So I waited until they were finishing up the prayer. And all the, it's about the third or fourth grade class. And all the boys and girls didn't like quit praying exactly at the same time. But the teacher, when she stopped, I quietly just kind of walked into the room and stood kind of by the teacher. And one by one, the little boys and girls raised their head up. And, and there I stood. And I said, do you know who I am? And this one little boy's name was Ethan. And he said, I know who you are. You're Dr. Redmond. And when I looked up and saw you, I almost had a heart attack. <laughs> and I thought, well, I'm not sure this was a real good idea at all. Tonight, we're going to, of course, have the Lord's Supper. Now, let me begin tonight by saying this. Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper. Like this was his idea. The Catholic Church did not start the Lord's Supper. The Protestant church did not start the Lord's Supper. In fact, 
No church started the Lord's Supper. Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper before there ever was a church. Think about that a moment. So this is not something that churches have thought would be a good idea. This was the idea of the Lord Jesus. In fact, you may want to jot it down. You can read in the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Matthew chapter 26, Mark chapter 14, Luke chapter 22. Each of those chapters is a record by those uh, writers on this phrase in the Holy Spirit of how Jesus started the Lord's Supper. Now, turn with me in John chapter 13. I want you just to see something. Maybe you've never paid attention, but in John chapter 13, we have John's record of the Lord's Supper. <laughs> Four words. Four words. Look at it with me in John chapter 13. It, well, let's just start in verse 1. He says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Now, verse 2, and supper being ended. That's it. That's <laughs> all John says. In fact, if we're reading that out of the original language, actually, it's just really literally some of the, new manu the newer manuscripts say the Greek word just during supper. So whether it's after supper being ended or during supper, whatever, you, you go and look at the verse, the devil had already put into the heart of Judas' carrot to betray the Lord Jesus. So we have this record. Now, think with me a moment. That's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then these little four words in John. But if Paul's letter to the Corinthians was written before Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John as most conservative Bible scholars believe, then the oldest record that we have in the Bible of the institution of the Lord's Supper, we read over in the book of 1 Corinthians. And so I ask you if you'd open your Bible now to the book of 1 Corinthians and look with me in chapter number 11. Now, interesting. The Apostle Paul did not get his information reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. First of all, they had never been written. But the Bible tells us that the Apostle Paul got his information from the Lord Jesus himself. Look in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. He said, For I receive from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. And so we have something very different here. Very, very different. This is what Jesus told the Apostle Paul, and he writes it. It's a very interesting thing. And as we read his record, let's read on. He said, I received from the Lord, which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it, and you said, take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this, now watch carefully, in remembrance of me. If you're a Bible underliner, that word remembrance is a key word. It's the theme of everything really Paul has to say. 
in verse 25, in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me twice in his record. Verse 26, he says, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. And so the theme of the Lord's Supper is remembrance. If you look at your bulletin tonight, you'll see that very, very clearly. We, we saw the little outline tonight's prayer focus is remembrance. And that's what I want us to do. It's interesting in Matthew's record and Mark's record, the word remembrance does not occur. In Luke's record, one time the word remembrance is found. But in the oldest record we have in the Bible of the Lord's Supper, the Apostle Paul twice in these little brief verses, here is this word remembrance. And here's what I want us to put in our minds tonight before we pray and before we eat the bread. The Lord's Supper is a specific and special time to remember what Jesus did. I wish you'd jot that down. It's worth jotting down. The Lord's Supper. Jesus, this was his idea. He instituted it. Here we are all these years later. What's the still? Why are we here? Well, the reason is to remember what Jesus did. And someone says, well, what did Jesus do? Well, first of all, he stood in our place. I love that verse. God made him who knew no sin to be sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Not in our righteousness, but in his righteousness. So number one thing Jesus did, and this is one of the things we need to remember tonight. When we hold the bread, drink the cup, we eat the bread, we just need to remember what did Jesus do? He stood in our place, but he did more than just stand in our place. You say, what else did he do? He paid our sin debt with his shed blood. That's what we're remembering tonight. And we'll deal in a moment of how easy it is to miss that. Oh, the Bible has so many verses about the blood of Jesus. The Bible says without the shedding of the blood, there is no remission, no forgiveness of sin. The Bible says we are justified by his blood. The Bible says we have redemption through his blood. The Bible says the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from, what's that next word? All sin. And the devil would say, well, not this. Oh, this is terrible what you've done. Here's, here's what Jesus did. He stood in our place and he paid our sin debt by the shedding of his blood. And so that's one of the things tonight that is much on our mind. And it's a blessed thing. But a second thing tonight, the Lord's Supper is a specific and special time, listen carefully, to remember what we must do. Boy, that's a strong statement. You know that word must. There's no other word that you can substitute for the word must. You can get your thesaurus all you want to. Must means must. And tonight when we eat the bread and drink of the cup, it's a specific time 
and a special time to remember what we must do. And you say, well, pastor, what must we do? Well, first of all, we are not to do what we do tonight in an unworthy manner. We're not to do it in an unworthy manner. And we see that in our scripture. Let's look down in verse 27. We'll just pick up where we left off. First Corinthians chapter 11, verse 27. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner. There it is. You ought to underline it. You should underline it. It's something you need to ponder and think about often. They will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. Then down in verse 29, who eats, the, who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, eats and drinks judgment to himself. You say, Pastor, how could, how could we do anything? How could we eat the bread and drink the cup in an unworthy manner? Well, first of all, if we do it ritualistically, if all this is is a ritual, we just go, and many do that. They're sincere, I'm sure, but actually... It's just a ritual, and anything can become that, and we have to guard against that. Uh, another thing we could do to eat the bread and drink the cup unworthily would be if we do so indifferently. A lot of our members tonight are here, but a lot of our members are not here. They're in, you know, you say, well, they've got a busy schedule. Well, some can't be here. I understand that. The Lord's Supper, I think it's one of the most Blessed things we do in the life of the church. I really do. And we have a good gathering. So I say what I say, not because the crowd's bad. The crowd's good. The building ought to be packed for the Lord's Supper. In fact, we ought to have to have two services for the Lord's Supper. We have 8,000 members, resident. Lord's Supper? Well, that's, that's between themselves and God. But let's get it between you and God, me and God. You say, well, we're here. Well, yeah, but we can be here and eat the bread, drink the cup in a kind of indifferent way, not really stopping to think about what Jesus did, what it is we're remembering. We have to work at that or we take it for granted and we must not do that. I'll tell you another thing we can do to eat the bread and drink the cup unworthily, and that is with an unrepentant heart. In a moment, we're going to have an opportunity to do something about that. With an unrepentant heart, or maybe flesh that out a little bit, with any ungodly attitude. And sometimes we all have that. I'm going to be dealing with that next Sunday morning. God's just put on my heart. I'm so excited next Sunday morning. I'm going to be preaching both services on a vision that I think God's made very clear for our church. And then a burden that I want to be your burden. I hope it already is to some degree, but I hope when you leave here next Sunday morning, not in a down way, but really in an up way. You know, burden doesn't mean bad. Burden can mean that the Spirit of God has spoken to you about something that you say, we need to do something about this. Well, this is what I'm talking about here. It's easy to just have an, an old ungodly attitude like, you know, I'm pretty well spiritually satisfied where I am in my Christian walk. I love that invitation. I was in the invitation 
the tail end of John's sermon, 930 service, and I was in the whole sermon at 11. But the part that I really, that really spoke to me was the part where he challenged us to rededicate ourselves this morning. I rededicated at 930, and I just turned around and rededicated myself again at 11. That's service. I'm rededicated up today. But you know what? We need to rededicate every day. Could I have an amen to that? I thought about what he was saying. And I thought about these that served here before us. And here we are. And I, I do care about what God thinks. And you care about what God thinks. But the Lord's Supper is a time, it's a specific time. It's a special time. We always care about what God thinks if we're Christians. But there are those sacred moments. There are those special moments. And what we do tonight is one of those moments. Well, what, what else does the Bible say we must do? Well, it's right here. Let's just read on. Uh, in, in verse 28, it says, let a man examine himself. Gender's not the issue. <laughs> Women included here. Yeah. Mankind. Humankind. What are we to do tonight? We are to examine ourselves. That can be a painful thing. But the second thing we must do, and it's even more painful, if you look in verse 31, it says we're to judge ourselves lest we would be judged. So here's what we're to do tonight, and here's what we're going to do. It's, this was Jesus' idea. He knew before the church was ever born at Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came down in a mighty an unbelievable way. And the church, the birthday, but before the church ever had a birthday, Jesus said, you know, my people, there'll be a church out there. I'm going to be going back to heaven and I'm going to leave on the earth my followers. They're going to be the ecclesia, the called out, the church. And what I've been doing, they're to do. And what Jesus knew was, for us to do it, we'd have to have these specific and special times to remember. What he did, stood in our place, paid our sin debt with his blood. What must we do? Not eat this unworthily. And what must we do? And now we can. To me, this is the peak of the service. We, we can be honest with ourselves. It's not easy but to examine ourselves. Tonight, I want to encourage you, I'm going to do the same thing, to just say, Holy Spirit of God, would you just somehow tonight, in this specific and special time, help me to be honest with myself about my life, about how sometimes I live outside of God's boundaries. God, show me things that I need tonight to ask forgiveness. And Maybe, I think for me, I'm going to rededicate again tonight, <laughs> really. Lord, I just want to live the rest of my life, a godly life, one that pleases you, and do the things, God, you would have me to do, and be the person you'd have me to be. Well, after he finished that sermon, we did have a time of prayer, and then we took communion together. We ate of the bread and we drank of the cup and we remembered what Jesus did for us when he died on that cross. He forgave us of our sins. Now, we know that taking communion doesn't save us, 
Uh, eating the bread and drinking from the cup doesn't wash our sins away. Only Jesus can do that himself. But when we gather together to take the Lord's Supper, it is a special time always, and we are reminded of what Jesus Christ has done for us. And we do confess our sins and we do search our hearts and ask God to search us so that we can be confessed up and we can be cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Now, I would encourage you, if you're not a part of a church, you need to join a church. You need to you need to go to church somewhere where they teach the Bible and where sometimes, we do it about four times a year here in our church, but where you can have communion. If you live alone and are not physically able to go to church, I would encourage you to get a little cracker there in your house or a small piece of bread and to get a little glass of juice and to just say, Lord, I don't, I don't have a church family that I can be with tonight or today, but I confess my sins. I ask you to forgive me, and I eat of this bread and I drink of this cup as a reminder of what you have done for me. And so, friend, I encourage you, let the Lord's Supper be part of your life in a corporate church, but individually, too, if that's all you can do. Thanks for being with us today.